It's as easy as going to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. That's really funny. Well, good morning and welcome to Saturday in the studio. I'm Tom King, and believe it or not, Merle Kelch is joining us in the studio today as well for the first time in a while. We are live together here in the studio. 715-845-2155 is the number to call if you have a question about your financial situation. Today's the day to get your question answered, right? Who are you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's been a while. Um, Uh, It has. We have, uh, I think we had um, uh, six weeks of in-camper or gone weekends. Um, It is really nice to be home. It it just really is nice to be home. So, yeah. yeah, so it's been Well, great. I've been on vacation for a few days, so I've been totally out of the loop. I haven't really followed much of what's been going on, so you're going to have to uh, carry us today and tell me uh, what your clients Let's are... Let's just start playing music now. <laughs> Should we do that? Okay, yeah. <laughs> tell me what your clients are telling you. I mean, obviously, you get different uh, phone calls, I would imagine, or people stopping in every day uh, of your clients asking questions about what's happening in the market. I would imagine... That uh, hasn't changed in the last uh, couple of weeks with all the volatility going on. Well, it's kind of interesting. Is is the whole the whole vibe is starting to change? And this kind of pops up to an article, which is the first top story, by the way, folks. That pops up on uh, Market Watch, and I'll, I'll read the top of the article. Uh, it says, "Is the stock market bottom in? What the pros say after the S and P five hundred tests the four thousand mark, and this, of course, is on the way up." And so, without getting into this article, that just kind of uh, says. The questions we're getting from clients and comments and phone calls coming in is that people saying, well, I think it's now time to invest because people are feeling, sensing, reading that the bottom is here and maybe inflation is coming at bay. Um, and so so we've been just enormously busy in the office and uh, we've been enormously in the busy, busy not only buying uh, by request, but you know, getting portfolios set for growth over the course of the next two or three years um, and people retiring. And so... Uh, we've just been enormously busy, not because of fear, but because of the optimism what's coming up into, into the future. And so it's it's been refreshing for a long time. Uh, last night time, I actually had a dream that I was well with some of my buddies, and I'm sitting there, and they're all bringing me their statements to read the statements and tell them what's going on with their investment portfolios. It's bad when you're re- dreaming about this stuff. Though, yeah, you know? that so, is bad. And, uh, you know, I, I thought <laughs> when I opened up my uh, my statement for the last uh, quarter, I, I thought, I, I, thought I was having a nightmare. Yeah, I told you, don't do that till <laughs> the end of September. <laughs> yeah, it was you pretty know, bad. So. Um, so when people are saying, I think it's time to invest at this point in time because the bottom is here, where are you looking to invest then at this point? Uh, just particular companies that are down. Uh, and then when you look at a company that's down and you think that the, the, it's going to start going up, what are the signs you look for that say that a particular stock or a particular fund is going to start moving up? I love you. always ask questions that are four questions in a row. Well, good. That'll kill so about 20 minutes. Time, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, another article that pops up, and I'm using this as the headway, so it's not my opinion, but others that look at it too. Um, uh, Isabel Wang has a, uh, an article out here. Says it's time to overweight in small caps. Uh, they've come very close to the pricing in recession. Uh, and she's from RBC Capital. So that being said, when you look at a portfolio that we want to get together uh, for a port person and we want to get it set up for the next two and three years, we want to make sure that's diversified. So when you're coming out of a recession, and by the way, we're not in a recession, but the stock market certainly has slowed. If you haven't seen that. You're listening to this program. Uh, well, there's something wrong. Maybe you, you know, you're hiding under a rock or something. So the market's down. So, so that when you start going forward, you have to make sure your portfolio is diversified. For example, um, about uh, maybe fall of last year or so, 
and we brought some accounts into our portfolios and they were doing okay. And we knew that we we're going to have to get them re-diversified and, and spread out the way they're supposed to be. Um, and then, of course, everything came down, of course, in, in the last uh, uh, six months. So with that now, we look at the portfolio and say, okay, you're really overweighted in this area. We need to get you re-diversified and spread out. In some of the parts that they're missing, like this article is talking about, is small caps. Now, do you take your whole portfolio and put in small caps? No. I mean, that's, that's goofy to do that. Uh, but you have to want to make sure you have some of those components in there if you're diversifying your portfolio for the next number of years going forward. And so these are some of the things we're looking at now with clients that are coming in. Not only that, but some clients, their portfolios were just so beat up in the last six months. Um, they're questioning whether or not in the right place and saying, you know, is this where I need to be? Do I need to be somewhere else? And it's kind of a, a good time for a tune-up as we start going up with the marketplace. What's the definition? And this is a simple question for people listening to the show, but maybe someone who doesn't really know. What's the definition of a small cap compared to a mid cap and a large cap? Well, a small cap are, are companies that are about, um, in today's dollars, about $5 billion to maybe 7 or $8 billion in size. Um, yes, that's a small cap today. You know, mid cap probably goes up to about 35 to 40. And of course, you have the big mega caps that are your, you know, General Motors and Apples and Microsoft and that kind of stuff. So, a small cap company. Those are the ones that drive a lot of return, but they also drive a lot of volatility, you know, smaller, more risk, um, both up and down. And so in a portfolio for many people, and again, I'm not judging and, and talk to your financial professional folks, but for many people, these small caps usually want to limit to about 10% or so just because they can be that volatile. When they go up, they'll add to your bottom line really quickly because they'll go up really quick in many instances. When you're talking about uh, sectors of the economy in the small caps, then what are we talking about? I mean, small companies that are involved in cutting edge stuff or I mean, obviously everybody knows General Motors and, and uh, you know, all the, the big the big guys, but they probably don't know the small caps. And that's where I would imagine yeah. guys like you come in to explain uh, what the what yeah. these companies do to a lot of well, people. You know, every company started as a small cap company, all of them. You know, Microsoft at one point in time was a small cap Upstart, of course, Apple was. I mean, you look at all those, they all became big because of the business that they do. Um, but you have to, the small cap are always the ones you have to look at their business model. Is it a price or is it a product? Um, uh, is it something that um, we're going to use? And, and that's that's one of the biggest gauges I, I use from a, a portfolio standpoint. Um, Peter Lynch, for example, um, was in charge of the Magellan Fund for a long, long time. And uh, one of the things he would say is, is if you're going to buy a stock, is it a product that you can use, touch, familiar with that kind of stuff. And he even went through and said he likes to buy the companies that are underneath the cabinet. You know, the kit, you know, cleaning products, that kind of stuff in your cabinet. He said, I like that kind of stuff because I can know it, feel it, touch it. I can see if I like the product. But small caps, you know, same way. You look at it, see a small cap product that comes out and say, am I going to like this? You know, we looked back many years ago, so small cap companies said, well, geez, am I going to like this computer? Oh, what's a computer? You know, and so, you know, you look at this stuff. And so I like looking at companies that are that way, that are small cap companies or mid cap companies. Um, and then uh, even more so, you know, I like looking at mutual funds that do it for me. So I don't have to try to find that individual one company. You know, for example, Tom, what's interesting is we were putting some portfolios together for some clients again this past week. And uh, as we're putting them together, we had to buy some stuff that are in a small cap value arena. And uh, so as we're looking at the small cap value arena, I went through and I re-looked at the funds that we use. Um, I see if they're the ones I want to continue to use in this arena. <clears throat> and we tried to find some individual stocks that were in there. And the individual stocks in the exact arena I wanted with all the attributes I had, I, I really couldn't come into it with a lot of stocks that were really good to the quality I want. And so we had to actually go into uh, uh, pulling a, a different type of a fund out because there weren't small caps what I wanted to see. 
Um, so it's, it's difficult. So in here, we essentially bought, you know, all two dozen stocks in a in a form of an ETF in that area. Um, but you know, the the small caps are are good, but the research is is heavy. You have to, you have to get and. Uh, the also the difficult part about a small cap fund is that they do a really good job. They don't stay small cap. They become then mid and then become a large cap fund. Uh, so, or sorry, stock, not fund. So sometimes funds in the small cap arena are a better option to go. By the way, seven one five eight four five twenty one fifty five is the number to call here if you have a question for Merle this morning. Give us a call. What else are your clients telling you about the situation at this point in time uh, going forward? In- inflation is always the biggest thing that's popping up, and. Um, you know, people are saying, well, look at the numbers that happened for June. And we talked about this last week, but I want to reiterate it again, folks. The, the work that the Federal Reserve has done um, in, in dropping interest rates um, has not going to have an effect probably for a few months yet. Uh, it's just not going to come around. So with that being the case, we have to look at the fact that um, uh, we have to look at inflation in different places. Now we're all seeing fuel prices coming down. Um, I really like doing that. This is our camping season, folks, and I've got the big, you know, diesel hauling camper truck and when i fill that up i almost have to arrange financing because i have to actually put my card in twice to fill up the truck um thank god it's getting a little bit better but um we're seeing fuel prices coming down we're also starting to see some other things folks we're starting to see things like aluminum coming down steel is coming down we're seeing corn prices and wheat prices coming down we're seeing lumber coming down and so those are all green shoots of inflation starting to uh, to solve itself to a certain degree um, but we just didn't see that inside of these June reports. And, of course, we saw it happen then from uh, the news media just taking the 9% inflation and just sensationalizing it. Now, the 9.1% inflation was real. I'm not saying that it wasn't, but it doesn't tell the story of what's happening now. It's telling a report card of what happened before. And so from that, I think as we see the numbers coming up for July and certainly of August, we'll start to see inflation starting to tame itself. And we said before, a number of inf- uh, economists that I like say that if we start seeing inflation improve, the stock market is undervalued. And it's the same thing we're seeing inside of the articles that we talked about today. And we'll come to that article by William Watts, who uh, we seem to keep running into his name a lot lately for information. But um, we're, you know, looking at the uh, things that are happening inside a stock market, and they believe that capitulation is happening. So capitulation is when essentially the small investors are leaving, the big institutional investors are coming and buying in. And you see evidence of that all over the place. But the biggest part of it is that we're seeing the big breath. There's a lot of money coming in and buying across the board inside of the marketplace. And that is starting to happen right now across the board. So with inflation improving, um, the uh, green shoots are saying that the stock market, you know, economists or some economists are saying that. I'm not saying all, of course, because there's so many. um, Saying that the stock market could be undervalued if inflation improves. Um, and it looks like the stock market, certainly as we've seen over the course of the last few weeks, people are buying into the marketplace and having it grow. And I think that's the uh, the direction we're going to start seeing things, in my opinion, and how we're planning it in our office. You mentioned that uh, there are always people that disagree on which direction the market is going. Why? Why is that? I mean, you would think that the indicators would look the same to everybody. Uh, you would think that this is all math. Why? Why? Are people just some people just being contrarian? They're doing it to sell books. They're doing it to sell funds. They're doing it to to to, to sell whatever. I mean, why why would why is there, is there such a diversity of opinion when it comes to this stuff? Almost like politics. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in politics, you have the good guys, and then you have you know some of the people you know. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> but, uh huh. And but 
Um, yeah, you know, it's the same thing as I think in inside of the uh, the investment world. I mean, everybody wants to be right and you get some sort of sensationalism, maybe get some sort of a book deal out of it. Um, you know, there's going to be opinions on both sides of the direction. I like reading them both and try to make up my own mind someplace in the middle. Um, but I like, in my opinion, looking at the math and the numbers because they tend to tell a better story rather than somebody's opinion, um, if at all possible, in there. So. Um, I think it's a it's a it's a good time to be going into the marketplace. That's my opinion. Um, now, uh, first, choose your numbers and what you're doing. So. I can't I can't remember in all the years we've worked though when you thought it was a bad idea to get into the market. Well, sometimes it's just better to get in the marketplace. Okay. You right. know, I can speak for myself personally. Throughout the course of this uh, the past several months, um, I've been buying in on a pretty consistent basis of you know personal money going in. To the point that I almost had to ask my wife for a loan. God forbid you have to do that. Uh-huh. I almost had to do that. And she goes, well, what are you spending your money on? I'm, I'm buying stuff. She goes, well, what are you buying? I said, well, I'm buying investments. She goes, well, that's okay then. So I, I, I made it through. I didn't have to borrow money from my wife. Um, uh, but we've been doing it all along and uh, buying into it. And all of them pretty much doing okay with the exception of one that went down. We keep buying some more of it. Um, but we've been buying all in because things went on a discount. Because the math is telling us that the economy is actually doing okay uh, the profitability that's coming out of corporate America as of right now is saying that things are going along pretty good, um, even though we have companies saying, well, we're not going to be hiring as much because we think there's a recession coming. Well, yeah, that's what we hire these guys to manage the companies for is to make those decisions. I still think there's probably going to be a recessionary event coming up. I don't think we're there now. Um, but now it's a good time to start buying for the next five, four or five years, uh, 10 years out because the stuff's all on sale. I mean, we're getting a real nice discount from the beginning of the year. All right, 715-845-2155. We'll take a break, come back with more. If you have a question for Merle, give us a call here this morning. We'll be right back on WSAU. The life of every child is precious beyond measure. If you care for a child with a disability and have limited income and resources, help is available. Children with a physical or mental disability or who are blind. And we're back. I'm Tom King in the studio, joined by Merle Kelch this morning. Kelch and Associates in Wausau. When we talk um, looking at cutting-edge technologies as part of your investment portfolio, I mean, what do, what are the things that we're looking at now? I mean, a couple of years ago, obviously, it was, uh, you know, Amazon, it was Apple, it was Microsoft, it was, you know, whatever those, you know, that's all sort of passe now, isn't it? What are the, what are the cutting-edge things that we're looking at now, companies that are involved in AI, companies that are involved in uh, electric vehicles. What What's the next thing that, that investors should jump on? You know, um, my opinion is quantum computing. I think that's, and, 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 we, and we don't have it yet. And folks, it's essentially, and frighteningly, I have to say, is where we're getting the uh, computer to function with the speed and uh, the math of, of the human mind. And so that's the biggest thing of all this AI and quantum computing comes up. Um, and I've read articles that said whoever cracks co- quantum computing is going to end up owning the computer world because um, everything else is going to go with it. Now, along with that, you then have um, Stephen Hawking who said that you know artificial intelligence is going to be the thing that's going to take down humankind. And I keep thinking about the Terminator. You know, so <laughs> who knows what's going to happen with that? But well, quantum computing too. I mean, the Chinese are heavily involved in going after that as well. Everybody is. I mean, yeah, all the big companies, countries, everybody else is trying to get it set up so that uh, they're hitting up the quantum computing. And, and I don't know if we're there yet, if we've got the speed. Um, I don't know the answer to that. I'm not a computer person, and so if anybody out there is. Um, but I know that's – I think that's going to be the biggest one. I mean, you have the ability to 
um, ask a uh, uh, your computer a question and gives you the answer, unlike you know Alexa and Siri right now, um, uh, which are just you know, basically responses to what you're doing. Um, it'll be you know having be able to have a conversation. I think uh, with these things, so uh, it, it's it's going to change a lot of stuff on how we do a lot of things. So we'll I think that's the biggest one, and the biggest names that you know are all the biggest names in computing you can think of. You know, Google, Microsoft, all those companies are involved in it. Who's going to hit it? Who knows? Well, there was a story this week, and that maybe you can see the headline over here. Google fired one of their senior software engineers who claimed that Google's AI chatbot is already sentient. And uh, they're saying that it's uh, wholly uh, unfounded. Do you think uh, he let sort of let the cat out of the bag, or do you think that uh, he's, he's just, uh, you know? Boy, who knows? Uh, who knows? I mean, we'll... We'll find out in due time, but uh, whatever company does that is going to be tremendous. Well, then you have to have the companies and components that are going to build all that stuff to make it work. You know, so we'll see where it goes. And then you have to have the uh, the uh, technology to control it, so it doesn't well, get out of control. Well, doesn't the three rules from uh, iBot or iRobot? Doesn't you have to have the three rules safe? Yeah, that that the <laughs> the, the uh, intel artificial intelligence will do no harm to humankind. Yeah, yeah. yeah all right. Yeah. Uh, you know that's that, that stuff just makes me that keeps me up up at night. I don't know if it does, keeps anybody else up at night, but boy, oh boy, boy Tom, and this is we're getting a little bit off track, but I remember years and years ago. You know, I was probably still in my twenties, and I read a book about uh, if uh, you were in an accident, Tom, or I was in an accident, and some part of my brain wasn't functioning right, they just put a chip in and solved that problem for you, um, so you didn't have to worry about it anymore, and and the book went on that eventually people didn't know what they were actually thinking. You didn't have to go to college. They just put a chip in, and you actually knew whatever the heck this was. So you didn't know what was real and what was uh, artificially Yeah, pretty much. Uh, that was the, the backbone yeah. of the book, and mm. boy, it's been a long time. I just yeah. remembered that. And what's interesting to me is some of that stuff is starting to happen. Um, I, I think it was actually Intel that actually grew human cells on top of a silicone wafer uh, just to see if they could, and it worked. Oh, boy. So (laughs) this stuff is scary. All right, we're going to take a break for some news. We'll come back with more. If you have a question for Merle, give us a call. We'll be right back on some sunshine, then increasing clouds and muggy conditions through the day. Severe thunderstorms likely later in the afternoon and into tonight. High temp today, 89. Low tonight, 66. Some clouds on Sunday, then more sun developing. Breezy and less humid, a high around 80. I'm Tom King, AM 550 FM 99.9 and in Wausau, 95.1 FM WSAU. Hey, wouldn't it be great if life came with a remote control? You know, you could hit pause when you needed to, or hit rewind. Like that time you knocked down that wasp's nest. Uh Uh-oh. Or that time you forgot to roll up your windows in the car wash. Fantastic. Yeah, a remote control would have come in handy then. Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome. But pre-diabetes does. With early diagnosis and a few healthy changes like managing your weight, getting active, stopping smoking, and eating healthier, you can stop pre-diabetes before it leads to type 2 diabetes. It's easy to learn your risk. Take the one-minute test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Life doesn't come with a remote control. So you're on your own with the WASPs. You have the power to take control of pre-diabetes. Visit doihaveprediabetes.org today. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. I had an important job, and it wasn't just a job. It was keeping my brothers and sisters safe. And coming back, it felt like kind of thrown away. If it hadn't been for Wounded Warrior Project, I honestly don't know if I would be here. It was like, I got my family back again. We all felt the connection 
like that brother and sisterhood. See how Wounded Warrior Project empowers women veterans like Donna by visiting woundedwarriorproject.org slash empowerwomenvets. Since we all have more in common than we do different. Absolutely. There is one common denominator. It's the common sense way to go. There's still a place that doesn't want to divide. I agree with everything you're saying. I often disagree. But you need to look at both sides of the spectrum. I completely agree. Um, yeah, we're not talking about compromise. We're talking about common ground here. And everyone is welcome to join us. A few people that have some common sense. Exactly. That's how I like them. News Talk WSAU. And we're back here in the studio. I'm Tom King, Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates in Wausau, joining us, uh, taking your financial questions. Give us a call right now, 715-845-2155 is the order to call. What else is on your radar this morning? You know, I want to chat a little bit about uh, M2 Money Supply, and this comes from an article that uh, comes out by Brian Westbury in First Trust. And he made a case in the article this morning that— First of all, I just tell people what M1 Money Supply is. Well— M1 is just before M2. I got M2 it. is okay. the most important one. I see. Okay. And, Tom, you're going to like this because Milton Friedman said if you want to follow inflation, you have to follow the M2 money supply. Got it? Got it. No. <laughs> so bear with me. Uh, so the article um, uh, Brian Westbury talks about, and it's only weirdos like me that can really understand this stuff, and I'm hopefully trying to bring it back so it makes some sense. Um, because increasing interest rates in itself are not going to stop inflation. There has to be a lot more to it. And we're starting to see some of the green shoots in there, too, along with what we talked about inflation, um, that there could be some uh, some benefits to a bunch of this stuff, and we might actually be able to um, get inflation to go uh, lower um, and at the same time maybe not cause this big recession like we saw um, happen with Paul Volcker when he had to basically kill the economy and, and take interest rates uh, so far up into the, uh, you know, um, I think he actually hit 20%, wasn't it, someplace in there, I think, Tom? Nonetheless, um, I hope we don't have to go that direction. So from that, um, here's what the M2 money supply is. So the M1 money supply is your savings accounts and CVs, but M2 adds all the money that's out there in circulation. So M2 money supply always tends to have a certain amount of growth rate to it. Um, and, and the reason is because our economy gets bigger, so there's more money in the circulation part. Um, plus, then you add to that the money from savings, CDs, cash accounts, that kind of thing. So so cash accounts, meaning money market accounts. So we put that stuff together. If we take a look at what the chart is, and this chart comes from the St. Louis Fed that I'm looking at, folks. Um, it was going along at a pretty consistent rate over years and years and years. And, of course, then um, the pandemic happens. And because of all the stimulation of cash that came from the government into you and I as taxpayers, and I understand the reasoning why, but what it did is it took the money supply, and it literally almost went straight up um, in uh, 2020, uh, straight north, and immediately started causing some problems because now we had way too much cash, and we weren't spending it on anything because we were all essentially sending it home. So with that then, the, the problem is it creates now inflation in the classic sense of too much cash chasing too few goods. And we, of course, had all the um, supply lines were also uh, bogged down, so it created this big inflationary event. So. Increasing interest rates will help slow the economy to a certain degree, but folks, we have to start getting rid of some of that M2 money. We have to start soaking up the cash someplace inside of the economy and the system. And I just looked at the Federal Reserve right now looking at their website, and it appears as though um, the Federal Reserves are actually coming down, which means we're holding less and less of a balance sheet from the Federal Reserve by letting some of the bond matures, it appears. Um, and that, too, is starting to soak some of it up, but also – we're seeing the Federal Reserve starting to increase uh, reserves at the bank. What that means is that the banks have a little bit less borrowing power, and it's starting to tighten up that money supply in other areas. 
And I think as long as we have the ability to continue to do that, um, uh, we continue to keep working on inflation from a uh, federal level and not just with interest rates, which will work, but not in its entirety get rid of inflation. All right. Uh, we've got a couple of phone calls here lined up. Let's go to the phone this morning. Good morning. Who are we talking to? We're talking to Bill. Hey, go ahead. You're on with Merle. Go ahead. Morning, Bill. Oh, I let me, let me try that. Go ahead. Hello. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Better. Um, okay. Yeah, I watched the, the the guys on the the Ag Day, Ag Day show and the guys that deal in commodities and fuel, and they're basically. I mean, if you could shine some light on this, they're basically hitting a panic button right now over diesel because the place that makes it, regardless if oil prices come down or not, isn't is hasn't invested any money. And there's going to be a diesel and home heating oil shortage, so they're, asking, they're telling the farmers to get their diesel on property now because there may not be any in fall. I, I think there'll be some. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be concerned about that because um, in the in the distillate process of making gasoline and everything else, um, tar and diesel are one of the first things that evaporate off. So, so from that, I think we'll have it, but I, I don't think it's a bad idea to have some extra sitting around. Now, that being the case, what's interesting as we talk about uh, the refineries, and we can have, I'm sorry, uh, oil and gas, and um, just an article, couple articles I read this past week is we can have as much oil and gas as we want come out of the ground right now. We don't have the capacity to refine it. Um, right. That's what that. That's what the, the ag report is, is right. basically having these analysts on, and they're they're hitting like the panic button. Yeah. We, we don't have the capacity to make any. There was there were uh, a number of refineries, and I don't remember the exact uh, number, and I think it was something like six that were uh, proposed to be rebuilt and and, uh, and expanded. And the EPA said, uh, we're, you're not doing that because your stuff isn't right, so that's off. And we haven't built a new one from the 70s, since the 70s, as far as new refineries go, and they take several years to build a refinery. And so that's where we have a big problem in America um, is that refining process. Right, and, and then they had the truckers' convention, and they had – they had a, a, a little segment there, and those guys are saying, I don't know what everybody else is talking about, until our prices come down to operate, inflation's never going to stop. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Completely agree. Now, that said, so I do have to admit, being a, a diesel truck holder, I did see gas for four, I'm uh, sorry, diesel for four eighty nine coming back from Milwaukee, and I got excited, excited and wanted to pull over, except I was in the wrong car. Yeah. All right. All right. Thanks for the call. <laughs> Appreciate so. it. 715-845-2155 is the number to call here. Back to the phone we go. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Uh, this is Carol calling. Go ahead. And uh, uh, the question I have for Merle, if he would give us a little uh, guidance on what is referred to as woke capitalism and ESG. It scares the hell out of me. <laughs> All right. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. I am going to do my best on woke capitalism. Um, I think woke capitalism, in my opinion at least, and there's so many opinions that are out here, Carol, is that you have so many people, investors, and companies, um, and people who invest, they only want to invest inside of companies that are politically correct one way or another. I don't know that it exists, um, but that's the woke capitalism. So uh, we'll invest with you if we uh, like you, I think is essentially it. Um, in my 30-some years in this business, I've seen this stuff wave in and wave out as it goes through. My suggestion always is that you invest inside of companies that make money. I can remember, Carol, at one point in time, people said, I'm only going to invest inside of companies that are socially responsible. Um, and at that point in time, there were a number of funds, and they're still out there, by the way, that have socially responsible mutual funds 
that only invest in companies that are socially responsible. I thought, wow, okay, this is great. We got this covered. And at that point in time, I did a lot of work in the education world. And, uh, Carol, for people listening, then I started asking questions because I'm looking at the list. And I kept thinking, how is this company socially responsible? And it's just that everybody has their own definition of well, it. Well, yeah, so, I mean, there are more and yeah. more companies that uh, realize that uh, they can make money by being socially responsible. And when a capitalist decides he can make money doing something, they'll do it. But remember. Um, and, and, you know, what I guess what's the term woke just annoys the, the crap out of me. Oh, but yeah. what's what's wrong with uh, wanting to invest your money in a place that's going to, uh, you know, do the right thing when it comes to some of these issues? Um, and what's wrong with investing your money inside of a company that actually makes profit? Well, if it's destroying the environment, if it's destroying other things, then, it's, yeah, there is a problem with that. Yeah, but the, then, then here comes my point. And, and Carol and, and Tom, here's my point. And when I ask a question is uh, define socially responsible. Back then it used to be ecologically responsible is what they're doing. But uh, define that because um, for your definition of it, Tom, is going to be completely different from somebody who's even far left of you as another whole definition, <laughs> which I don't know is really possible. But I mean, uh, um, uh, <laughs> I just had to throw a shot in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, so so the definition of it is so terrible. And some people said, I only want to invest in companies that don't destroy the uh, the ecology. Great. Does that mean they're not using plastic? I mean, so you can take it to the most minute level. It, it doesn't make any sense. And eventually that Fed tends to fade out. Um, and people just start looking for companies that make money once again. And so I always tell people, if you're trying to be the woke investment and woke capitalism, that whole bit, it, it's it's going to fade out in time. You just used that just to annoy me again, didn't you? Oh, I didn't annoy you. It was, just, it was a description. All right. All right. We're going to take a break here. We'll come back with more. If you have a question for Earl, give us a call. We'll be right back on Double. Putting it in the pockets of our citizens. With you, wherever you go. From WSAU and WSAU.com. And we're back here in the studio. I'm Tom King and uh, Merle Kelch joining us. Kelch and Associates in Wausau, 715-845-2155. Story on MarketWatch this morning about big tech saying that they're going to be cutting back on numerous situations. Uh, tech's largest companies as well as their smaller competitors looking to cut back as they face a litany of headaches. Billions of dollars in unused commercial real estate supply and chain cost issues, evaporating funding, a 21% drop in global M&A activity in the first half of the year to $2.2 trillion and an all-but-shut window on IPOs, wage inflation, and talent retention. Are we supposed to feel sorry for the Amazons, Googles, and uh, Metas of the world? Mark Zuckerberg says that uh, tough times ahead, Microsoft slowing down, yada, yada, yada. You're really stuck on this woke capitalism thing. <laughs> just, uh... <laughs> well, you know, it's, I find it interesting. You know, your side of the aisle just rages at Mark Zuckerberg about everything, and yet you're okay with having Facebook as part actually, of your portfolio. I actually, if, actually, uh, I should probably really rage about him, but it's another conversation. You know, we, we look at the stuff and say, you know, should we feel bad about that? Well, no, but we have to use that as a gauge. You have to look at what's going on. And, and the truth is that mergers and acquisitions and initial public offerings have essentially died out in the course of the last couple of months. They just died. Last year we had a real upsurgence in, you know, IPOs going on, that type of thing. And so we look at it, and these companies are, are the gauge of where we should be. Should we feel sorry for them? Well, no, I mean, they're going to be okay. They're still going to be fine. Um, I'm pretty sure Mark Zuckerberg is not going to have to worry about where his next meal is going to be coming from for the rest of his life. So we don't need to do that, but it's a gauge. So the gauge is going forward as these companies are planning that something we're going to slow down from an economic standpoint. Hopefully they're wrong, but I think they're probably right. If I had to guess, I'm thinking sometime next year we should probably slow down from a recessionary standpoint. Um, and all of this still, folks, really, in my opinion, is that we're still having the great reset that's still happening from shutting the economy off. 
Um, it, you know, shutting the economy off just and making people stay home is just having a dramatic effect here in the U.S. Um, and if you look at it, China is even worse. China shut themselves their major cities down for months at a time and wouldn't let people out. And uh, uh, China's ha- their economy is suffering just tremendously um, right now and getting worse. So what's happening is these companies are saying, you know, because of things that are going on, we got to slow down. Uh, we don't need to have all this real estate and big buildings anymore because more people are working at home. And so they're making adjustment all over the place. And so we look at that as a model where probably things we're going to see. So are there things that we can take advantage of that? So we look around and say, is it okay for us to um, now uh, be investing inside of companies that put offices inside of their houses and when they're building? You know, so all this sort of stuff is. Well, so what about what about these big tech companies? And I mean, I'm looking at some of these numbers. Meta down almost 8%. Alphabet, which is Google down almost 6%. Google down, um, let's see. Microsoft down uh, 1.6%, Amazon down 1.7%, Netflix down 1.5%, Snap down 39.8%. Mm-hmm. So what do you do in a situation like this? Are, do you believe that they're going to go lower and, and become even more on sale, or is, it, is this now a time to maybe buy into some of these companies? Um, Snap maybe, but uh, the rest of them, if we take a look at their profit, what happens in the day we don't care about? you know? Um, but Snap is down because it had a problem with revenue misses, um, uh, the ability to – generate advertising usership and that whole bit so snap i don't know that it's on its ropes but i'd look around there's something looks like there's something wrong inside of the company and we could very well see the same thing starting to happen with twitter now twitter immediately says that you know we're having a problem with profit because of everything that happened with uh, elon musk and i disagree with that i think twitter is having a problem before elon musk um so so with it you know we could look at it and say now is this the change are they going the way of uh, myspace if you remember when years ago um, are those companies going that direction? Is social media changing? You know, so all those types of questions. Well, the, up. the stories that have come out about Twitter about so many, uh, you know, fake accounts, so many bots, so many, uh, you know, people that are yeah. using Twitter in nefarious ways. When does that little flood of information become a tsunami that uh, that buries a company? When you're talking about negative stuff like that. Well, you know, the the thing is, is that you know how many people are how many are bots on Twitter? I mean, that's been the thing, and that Elon Musk has been saying all along. And I'm not on Twitter. I don't care whether it survives or passes away. I don't have any opinion. Um, but, you know, Elon Musk has said, you know, I think your number is wrong from our you know, test data that we're doing. Your numbers are a lot higher. Well, if I'm an investor and I want to invest inside of Twitter, I want to know how many people do they have that can generate revenue by looking at this. So if Twitter continues to say we keep having new subscribers to this, it's going fantastic. Our numbers are going great. But when a great deal of those new subscribers and numbers are all artificial bots, now it affects the advertising and what do I want to do from a, from an investor standpoint? And that's the biggest thing about this is that, you know, are those real people or not real people? Are they artificial intelligence side of Twitter? Because as an investor, if I'm going to invest in that company, I want to know that information, as does Musk. And herein we lie with the uh, uh, the court battles coming up. Is it next month? I think it is, isn't it? Yeah, so, something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But what I thought was interesting is that uh, they didn't want to provide the data in a meaningful way to – uh, Musk, but now they're going to have to provide to the court, and so it's still going to come out how many people were bots or not bots or real or unreal at that company. Before. All right, what should investors look for in the coming week? Uh, that the, this information that's going to be released. Uh, I know it's earnings season, and is there any other big news that's going to be coming out in the next week? Um, nothing new to me. That's going to be crazy. I would start looking at what the PMI numbers are going to be. Um, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I have to back up. Purchasing managers index. Um, as well as the uh, Institute for Supply Side Management. Um, look at their numbers. I want to see what's happening with retail sales. Are we buying? Are we uh, not buying? And all that seems to be good. I'd like to see that continue on. 
And the biggest thing is inflation, which is going to come up in about two weeks. Those are the things we want to see happening. But uh, from that, folks, um, be diligent. Watch around. Don't look at the news media. Um, you know, it's going to drive you crazy. Don't look at your statements from June. Okay, that was a joke. You have to look at it. But um, it's, it's just going to be crazy for a few weeks yet. But we'll start seeing the market. If it continues to keep growing, probably a good time to talk with your financial professional and say, are we in the right place for the next couple of years? Well, we've got a couple of minutes left here. Is there anything else that you wanted to touch on before we finish up? I like ice cream. Does that, does that count for anything? Well, you, hey, you had mentioned, and I don't know if this is for public con- con- consumption, but you mentioned that you're looking at some some land. Uh, I won't say where, but you're looking at yeah. some land. Um, what is real estate, whether it be land or um, you know houses or rentals or we know what's going on with office space. I mean, there's a glut of it available. What about the rest of the real estate market as investors? You know, um, I have friends that are in the real estate market and I'm, I'm familiar with the real estate market in, in, in multiple areas. The coast folks, the prices are coming down. Um, we're starting to see, uh, well, it's all relative of course. Yes. Well, because it's still expensive, but, but yeah. It, yeah, but, but it's, it's starting to come down in price. Um, uh, new home purchases are starting to slow down. Um, building is starting to slow down. So interest rate is having an effect in that already. It's coming down. And so I think, you know, if you have a price place that you've been wanting to sell for a while to sell at a top dollar, I'd get it done now, folks, because it looks like the real estate marketplace is going to slow. Now, I'm not saying it's falling apart and things are going to get cut in half if you're out there betting. I wouldn't bet that part, but I think the escalations are slowing down um, uh, quite a bit. All right, let's try to sneak one more call in here before we're done. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Uh, Richard. Go ahead. Morning, Richard. Say, uh, I'm in a business that consumes a lot of fuel. Do you know of any way I can hedge hedge the fuel market? Well, we don't do it in our office, but it depends upon where you want to be. I know uh, some co-ops you can go through and you can pre-purchase your fuel um, locally. Um, I don't think you want to go out and you want to buy um, actual contracts for um, a whole amount of fuel because if you win that contract, you don't, I don't think you have enough room for storing it. Yeah, um, but um, I know there's a number of co-ops. I have some clients that are farmers, and I know that they go through and they buy, and they know what their price for fuel is going to be for a certain period of time. If somebody knows, uh, let us know here in the station or something like that. But I would check oh, hey, I, co-ops. I, would be my guess. I appreciate that uh, information. All right, thanks for right, the call. Appreciate it. it. Hey, we're just about out of time for today. If folks want to get a hold of you on Monday, how can they do that? Uh, Monday morning, we will be there bright and early. Well, at least somebody will. I may not be bright and early, but I'll be bright. Kind of, maybe. Okay, stop in for a cup of coffee, 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street, uh, Wausau, Wisconsin. Stop on in and say hello. Hi. Kick the tires. Give us a call locally, 715-849-3600. Toll free outside of the Wausau area at 866-355-5100. Or find us online at kelchinassociates.com. Does anybody ever come in and really kick your tires? Um... Uh, no. Not yet, um, anyway. I have some, uh, now they will. Nervous dog <laughs> or something. All right. All right. Talk to you again down the road. <laughs> I'll see you next week. Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates in Wausau. We're coming up on 9 o'clock. The news is next. The polka shows are on the way. Brewer baseball tonight. The Brewers in Colorado from American Family Field. Pre-game show right here at 535 on WSAU. While serving in Vietnam, 